Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Visit grindcitymedia.com today for the most up-to-date and exclusive coverage and analysis of the Memphis Grizzlies you can get. Grind City Media is always their home and road, providing the most comprehensive Grizzlies coverage, Plus, get your local and regional sports fix all in one spot. For more information and behind-the-scenes access on the Grizzlies, visit GrindCityMedia.com or follow on Twitter at GrindCityMedia today. Morant with a running start. Elevates, oh, and dunks! Oh, my goodness! Oh, oh, oh. Tie game in overtime. Gasol will turn. tell if there are any punches being thrown under there, but Griffin took exception to something. The officials break it up quickly. See, he just locked his arm and then kind of pulled him over. Zach falls down, and then, you know what? A little elbow there. Oh, he's digging the elbow. Yeah, Welcome to Grits and Grinds, a Memphis Grizzlies podcast. My name is Keith Parrish. The Grizzlies lose at Milwaukee 126 to 114. They were very shorthanded. The overall story of this game is Jaron Jackson Jr. and John ja Morant were tremendous, did everything they could to get the Grizzlies the victory. They fought hard, they rallied, they got within three in the final minutes, but the defending champs were too much for the Grizzlies. Giannis and Tedekumpo had a great game, as he does. Chris Middleton had 27 points, and the Grizzlies cannot overcome some of the players that were missing. It's still, it's a, it's a solid result for the Grizzlies. It's an encouraging loss, if there can be such a thing. There are certainly frustrating elements to the game, which happens every time your favorite team loses. But the Grizzlies played well. We saw Ja in full all-star mode. By the way, keep voting for Ja Morant. Go to grizzlies.com slash all-star. Jaron Jackson Jr. was in full all-star mode. Jaron Jackson Jr. had a terrible first half, 
And then an unbelievably good second half. He had the second highest scoring half of his career. He had 27 points, six rebounds, and three blocks in the second half alone. By the way, the highest scoring half of Jaron Jackson Jr.'s career would be his second season where he had 34 points. Also, randomly, against the Milwaukee Bucks. So Jaron's top two scoring halves of his career have both come against Milwaukee. That Bucks game in 2019 where Jaron had 34 points in the second half, if you remember, it featured him making seven three-pointers in the third quarter, including one that banked in. He had 26 points in that quarter. Uh, John Morant didn't play that game. It was a very exciting one that the Grizzlies ended up eventually losing, uh, much like the game on Wednesday night where the Grizzlies fall to the Bucks. The story leading into the game for the Grizzlies, who had won 12 of 13, was that Desmond Bain and Kyle Anderson had entered health and safety protocols. So a Grizzlies team already shorthanded with Dylan Brooks on the men from the ankle injury uh, was going to miss you know, its most important perimeter player outside of Jaw in Desmond Bain and miss one of its do-everything subs in Kyle Anderson. And then, a few hours before tip-off, we find out that Tyus Jones has also entered health and safety protocols. So all these guys might be out for the next three to five games, maybe. They have changed the health and safety protocols where it's possible to return faster, but so far for the Grizzlies, in whatever circumstances they've had, people have not returned early from health and safety protocols. Tyus Jones might secretly be, uh, you know, low-key the most important one of these. I feel like if we were ranking them, we would say Desmond Bain is the most important guy missing. But historically, the Grizzlies, when Tyus Jones is not available, have not done well. They're 4-9 and nine now without Tyus Jones over the last three seasons. I think initially, when the news that Bain and Anderson were out, we're thinking, okay, there's going to be a lot of Tyus and John minutes. Maybe Meltz will play uh, some extra minutes there. But you figured they could kind of get by. They could kind of skate by with Conchar playing a lot of minutes. And Tyus, I thought, would be, you know, upper 20s as far as all the backup point guard minutes and then sharing the court with Ja a little bit. But when he was out, it then became, oh, my, who is actually going to play? I assumed they would start Conchar as they did. I was trying to come up with my own rotation of what I figured would happen. Uh, a lot of it was very similar to what uh, I thought would occur. I'll get to it in a little bit. I was somehow still a little bit surprised with how little Melton played, although I knew in my soul there was no chance he would get up to like 30 minutes, even with the team this shorthanded. I was honestly surprised that Conchar and Zaire Williams both played like 33 minutes. That's way heavier minutes than I would have figured. But without Tyus Jones, it was an interesting puzzle, a difficult puzzle for the Grizzlies uh, to put together, and it ultimately cost them. The non-John Moran minutes, unsurprisingly, uh, the Grizzlies lost those. Ja had a zero plus minus, so they were totally even when John Moran was out there, and the Grizzlies lose by 12. So that's tough, but it, it's at least expected. And in the manner that the Grizzlies fought in this game and with how well Ja and Jaron both played, it at least makes you feel somewhat good about the game. Sure, you wish maybe someone else could have stepped up. Sure, you wish uh, maybe some of the three-pointers had gone in. 
The Grizzlies were nine for 40 from three this game. That's just the 29th time in the Grizzlies franchise history that they've attempted 40 or more three-pointers in a game. Of those 29 games, this was the worst three-point percentage. All time for all NBA teams, uh, if you attempt 40 or more three-pointers and you make under a fourth of them, uh, teams win 14.7% of the time. Just a numbers game. You can't overcome missing that many three-pointers usually or shooting that poorly from three. What's wild is Ja made four three-pointers. Ja Morant came out in the first quarter, made three in the first quarter, four in total in the first half. Ja was four for seven from three in the first half. The rest of the team was 0 for 16. It's not going to get it done. The perfunctory reading of the stats, now on the season, the Grizzlies are 4-11 and 11 when they fail to make at least 10 three-pointers. 27-5 and five when they make 10 three-pointers or more. Some of that is bad shooting luck. Some of that is just who the Grizzlies are. For this season, the Grizzlies are 22nd in three-point percentage. In January, a month in which the Grizzlies are 8-2, and two, they're last in the NBA in three-point percentage. It might just be who the Grizzlies are. We keep thinking maybe it's a little bit of a slump, and I do think when you look at the individual shooting percentages of some of the Grizzlies players that they will get better. I don't think a lot of these guys are as bad as they currently are. But in this game, specifically against the Bucks, there were guys shooting the basketball who we've never seen them make three-pointers before. And that is not bad luck. That's just bad shooting. And this is when you start trying to figure out, okay, um, do we want like Sante Odama to keep firing three-pointers because we want to get him some development minutes? Zaire Williams has had a really nice stretch right when he returned from injury, but he's cooled off. And for the season, he's now 27% three-point shooter. He gets even worse in the second halves. Zaire's 10 for 50 on second half three-pointers. That's 20%. My man Aldama for the year, 10% on three-pointers. 10%. Four for 38. If you want to get generous and round up, we'll call it 11%. He's only one for 20 in the first three quarters of the game. Three of his makes are in garbage time, in fourth quarter blowouts. He shoots 5% on three-pointers on the year in the first three quarters. So you can say the Grizzlies have some bad shooting luck. But if Zaire Williams, Sante Aldama, and then we can throw in Jarrett Culver and Brandon Clark, if those guys combine to attempt 14 three-pointers and make two of them, that's not bad shooting luck. That just is what it is. Those are guys who don't make three-pointers shooting three-pointers. You want to throw in Melton's numbers? In his hideous shooting slump, you want to throw in Conchar, who came back down to earth? Uh, we knew he wasn't going to shoot 69% from three forever. If you take away John Morant, you take away Jaron Jackson Jr., everybody else, we're talking Zaire Williams, John Conchar, DeAnthony Melton, Santiago Dama, Brandon Clark, Jarrett Culver. They shot three for 24. That's not necessarily bad shooting luck 
That's just bad shooter shooting. The Grizzlies got a ton of paint points in this one. Kudos to Jaron Jackson Jr. for changing his approach, it felt like, in the third quarter. In that big third quarter where he had 17. By the way, Ja had 13 in the third quarter. They combined for 30 points between those two guys. The Grizzlies scored 40 points in the third after scoring 17 in the second. But Jaron got tons of paint touches. He kept attacking the mismatches and scoring in the paint. The Grizzlies had a very nice game in the paint. It was just the shooting. And I don't know how much of it is we need to not take these shots or we need to let the rookies develop. Because again, the big surprise for me in this game was Zaire Williams playing 33 minutes, Santi Aldama you know, playing 13 minutes, playing fourth quarter minutes. Conchar played all 12 minutes of the fourth quarter. He had a pretty decent fourth quarter. Quarters one through three, he wasn't doing anything on offense. These are just the natural pains, I guess, of playing shorthanded, needing guys to play bigger roles than they're accustomed to or that they are tailored for. And you get some ugly shooting performances, especially when you're playing a really good team. You're playing at Milwaukee. You are absolutely outmanned here. So we give the Grizzlies credit for fighting, for keeping it close, for making it a game at the end. You get unlucky, we think, with that eight-second violation. There are moments where the Grizzlies could uh, have obviously done more. There was a huge missed free throw. Uh, D'Anthony Melton missed two massive free throws in the fourth quarter, started the fourth quarter. They would have cut it to five. The team as a whole were like, all right, you know, 68% from the line. But, I mean, Steven Adams was 0 for 4. Everybody else was 17 for 21, which is fine. You just don't knock down the shots. And it's okay. Looking back at the uh, second half three-point shooting stats, I I went down this rabbit hole. Here's a weird stat. John Morant in his last 10 games has not made a second half three-pointer. He's 0 for 15. I mean, he knocks down four in this one in the first half, but 0 for 15 in his last 10 games in the second half. For the entire season, again, it's remarkable the Grizzlies have the third best record of the NBA despite this loss. But for the season, in the second halves of games, the individual three-point shooting numbers, John Morant's at 31%. Jaron Jackson Jr.'s at 33%, which honestly is better than his first halves. Dylan Brooks at 28%. Melton, 29.5%. Kyle Anderson, 27%. Bain is the good one at 39.5%. Zaire, like I said, 20%, 10 for 50. Tyus Jones, 46%, baller. Conchar, 13 for 26, 50%, baller. But man, the team just (laughs) really struggles shooting. And uh, there are some really ugly, gaudy three-point shooting numbers on the season. The thing that's not ugly is John Moran's performance in this game. John Morant with 33 points and 14 assists. That ties his career high for assists. Just one turnover. Sean Coleman from Locked On Grizzlies had this really good stat that I liked. It's the list of players before their age 23 season to have games with at least 30 points, at least 10 assists, and one or fewer turnovers. 
this was John Morant's third such game. The only other players to have more before they turned 23. Uh, Chris Paul had five, and Stephen Marbury had six. Trey Young had two. LeBron, Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, Derrick Rose, Kyrie Irving, they all had one. John Morant is so good, and he played so well in this game. Knowing the team shorthanded that he was able to put all of that offensive load on his back. 14 assists, one turnover while also scoring 33 points while also playing the Milwaukee Bucks. That's awesome. This loss was just the third time this year that the Grizzlies have lost when Jaron Jackson Jr. scored 20 points. Grizzlies were 13-2 and two before this game. Now 13-3 and three when Jaron scores at least 20 points. Jaron also passed Miles Turner in this game to lead the league in combined steals and blocks. Jaron should be getting all defense votes this year. There are a lot of really good defenders in the NBA, and you know Gobert, Embiid, Draymond Green are going to get there. So he might not make first team. I don't think it's going to be bad if he doesn't make first team. I haven't gone through the entire league. I'm not even sure I would put him first team. But he absolutely should be considered for second team. And more importantly, he's been great on defense. We don't care about the accolades that much. We don't care about the awards. We mainly care that he's playing well. And he absolutely is. He had to guard Giannis a lot this game. He went toe-to-toe with Giannis in this basketball game. And was able, again, to score 27 points in the second half. Great game from Jaron Jackson Jr. Nothing but encouragement there. Beyond Ja and Jaron, that's when things get dicey. Brandon Clark, who's been incredibly consistent, was still quite good off the bench. 14 points, 4 rebounds, 2 steals, 2 blocks. The question with Brandon, for me is wondering if there is some kind of limitation on the minutes he's allowed to play. I've talked plenty of times about how he seems to miss games frequently with some kind of soft tissue injuries. And so maybe there is an issue that we don't know about or he does have a minutes limitation. I mean, he ended up with 25 minutes played, 25 and a half minutes played. He closed the game out once again. And with Steven Adams and with Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, you're not exactly as shorthanded in the front court. His lack of minutes I find less shocking than maybe some other players, which I'll get to in just a second. Because it's not like Brandon Clark's losing minutes to Santi or Killing Tilly or something. I mean, I guess there is an argument. If you're playing Santi at the three, why not play Brandon Clark at the three? But it does feel like Brandon's been playing so well and in a game where you're this shorthanded, maybe you find a way to get him closer to 30 minutes. I don't know. Maybe he loses his efficacy if he he plays that much. Like Tillman played about six minutes. Do you want to give all those six minutes to Brandon Clark or split them up between Steven Adams and Brandon? I'm not sure. But Brandon was good. Beyond Brandon, uh, I can't really find much of a positive uh, thing to say about the rest of the guys. So, uh, We'll take a break, and if you want to hear uh, some of my frustrations from this game, uh, rotation-wise, and uh, some of the not-excellent performances from some of the rest of the players, uh, by all means, please stick around. 
Grizzlies fans get game day deals when you sign up for buzzer beaters. Text buzzer beater to 833-550-0028 to opt in for discounts to your next home game. Get tickets, get hyped, and save with buzzer beaters. Visit grizzlies.com slash buzzer beater for more info. So, on the wing in this game, with no Bane, the Grizzlies started Zaire Williams at the three, which we assumed, and Conchar at the two. Now, in the first quarter, Zaire had some nice finishes. He got a little and one. Um, he's been finishing well near the basket, showing that athleticism, some of that scoring versatility. We know all about his lob finishing. But he did a good job finishing at the basket. Beyond that, he was basically invisible. Didn't make his three-pointers. Didn't pick up any rebounds. He finishes the game with one rebound in 33 minutes. Ends up scoring 10 points, but on 11 shots. Not extremely great from Zaire. On the other hand, Conchar, uh, in the first half, these guys were just really off. Through three quarters, Conchar had provided two points, one for five from the field, and Zaire had seven points, three for six from the field. Combined, they were 0 for 6 on three-pointers. So those guys did not deliver the offensive punch we were hoping for. They both played, again, like the entire fourth quarter. They did okay. I mean, Zaire knocked down a three in the fourth, but missed all his other shots, one for five. At least Conchar was making those hustle plays we're accustomed to, getting rebounds, getting some steals, uh, doing his stuff there. Off the bench, this is where things get weird. You might have thought with no backup point guard that... Melton would be forced into playing back a point guard. At the very least, they do a platoon of Conchar and Melton and Jarrett Culver. They sort of did that, but not really. Morant played 39 minutes, so that means he was off the court for nine minutes. In those nine minutes, Melton only played one and a half of them. They went seven and a half minutes with a Conchar and Culver backcourt, which is... In my opinion, an odd choice. But it's what they went with. The Grizzlies, in that time, got outscored 18-8. to They were 4 for 19 from the field. Again, not what I would have went with. But to reiterate, to hammer that point home, when John Morant was off the court, they did not play D'Anthony Melton as a backup point guard. And I'm not... Ignoring the fact that D'Anthony Melton is in a tremendous shooting slump, despite him making some shots against the Bulls. But if there's no Tyus Jones, if there's no Desmond Bain, if there's no Kyle Anderson, D'Anthony Melton is absolutely your next best choice to be a ball handler. And in the minutes where Morant was off the court and also Melton was off the court, the Grizzlies were 4 for 19 on field goals, got outscored in those 8 or so minutes, 8 to 18. Culver's stat line was 2 for 8, 1 for 3 from field, from the field. So that's 5 points, got 2 assists, 2 rebounds, 2 steals, 1 turnover. Um Aldama finished some twos, but again 0 for 3 from 3, 6 points, 3 rebounds. Melton was just 2 for 7 on his field goal attempts, 1 for 6 from 3. 
those two crushing missed free throws. I mean, he honestly played a very nice second half outside of the two missed free throws. He was the first non-jaw player to hit a three-pointer in this game. He also picked up two more steals. He's 11th in the NBA this year in steals per game. He's the only player in the top 20 in steals per game to average under 25 minutes per game. The shooting slump. Since he returned from health and safety protocols, he's in abysmal 22.8% on his field goals, 21% on three-pointers. But it is just a shooting slump. The rest of the game is fine. He's still in this little span during this quote-unquote slump. He's sixth in the NBA in deflections per 36 minutes during this slump. He's still getting the steals. I think in the first half, he lost his minutes because he got in foul trouble. He picked up his third foul, which again, the idea that the coaching staff would be upset if he fouled out seems hilarious. Like he got taken out for Santi Aldama at the end of the second quarter when he picked up his third foul. So maybe that kept his minutes low there. Despite the shooting slump, and we know this because of years of examples, despite the shooting slump, the Grizzlies still had a positive plus minus when he's in the game. That is a defining feature of D'Anthony Melton. If you're newer around here and don't understand my obsession, the obsession is even when he misses all his shots, he still frequently has a positive contribution to the game. This is not a random blip that, oh, he's two for seven from the field plus nine. Yeah, it's what he does. It's literally what he does. So perhaps he lost minutes in the first half because of the foul trouble, getting his third foul. In the second half, he played a very nice second half outside of the missed free throws. Once he missed those free throws, he was subbed out, didn't play again. Sante Aldama and Jarrett Culver played more fourth quarter minutes than Melton did. I truthfully don't understand that. I don't think it's just my bias. I think it's just absolutely weird that Culver like got the backup point guard minutes over Melton. I think it's weird he lost playing time to Aldama and to Culver. Conchar's minutes, he seems to be getting rewarded still for uh, maybe that 17.15 rebound game. Excuse me, I got the backwards. 15.17 rebound game. Since then, in his last three, Conchar's one for eight from three, averaging five points per game in over 25 minutes per game. After the game, Taylor Jenkins was sort of asked about using Culver as the backup point. He just said, you know, he was ready for Culver or Melton or whoever else to have those minutes and maybe they'll switch them around in the coming games. He even said even Zaire to use those minutes, which let's be real. We do not need to see Zaire bringing the ball off the court, I don't think. But uh, who knows? They'll have another chance in their next game on Friday against the Denver Nuggets. Give me another tough one. This road trip is brutal. Tomorrow at altitude on Friday night against the Nuggets. Sunday, massive game against the Mavericks who are playing really, really well. Then you have to play at the Spurs. You at least have a couple days off at the Spurs uh, this coming Wednesday. Then back home finally for the Jazz and Wizards on Friday, January 28th, and Saturday, January 29th. By the way, the 29th, that Saturday night game, the Grizzlies are having a giveaway. The first 3,000 fans will receive Grizzlies tech suit pants. So uh, make sure you get there early. Get Memphis and get your tickets by calling 901-888-HOOP or clicking grizzlies.com. A couple more stats uh, to wrap this up. 
The Grizzlies lost the Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. minutes because the team was 9 for 27 on field goal attempts when they were out there. A lot of missed shots. The Sante Aldama, Jarrett Culver minutes, they're all scored by 14 in the few minutes those two guys played together. If you really want to delude yourself with uh, my Melton propaganda, the Grizzlies were plus 11 in the John Morant, Anthony Melton minutes, of which there were uh, not that many. Um, One final stat. This is from Matt Moore of the Action Network. Um, Of the 57 players in the NBA who've attempted at least 14 field goals per game or who average 14 field goal attempts per game, uh, Desmond Bain is fifth in effective field goal percentage, only behind Jokic, LeBron James, Carl Anthony Towns, and Zach Levine. By the way, Dylan Brooks is 51st on that list. And if you missed it, I guess if you weren't watching the game, Taylor Jenkins did rejoin the team, got out of health and safety protocols, uh, flew commercially to get to Milwaukee. His beard is looking grand, in my personal opinion. It isn't as manicured as it normally is. A little bit more uh, Grizzly Adams style, which is what I like. Also, the team added Shaq Harrison on a 10-day hardship who was apparently available to play uh, on Wednesday night. Shaq Harrison is a very good D'Anthony Melton-style player. He's a very good defensive specialist who gets a lot of steals, a lot of blocks. He's a guy, unsurprisingly, that I like. So, I don't know if he'll actually get in the game. I doubt it. More of an emergency usage-type player. Um, If, like, Culver or somebody goes down, I would think, but maybe he'll get a look um, playing Denver on Friday because he's been on the Nuggets this year already. Finally, a good thing about losing, or I guess I think they didn't hurt you on Wednesday night. The Grizzlies lost, but also the Jazz lost to the Rockets. The Jazz are just 9-9 nine and nine in their last 18 games. They had no Donovan Mitchell for the game against the Rockets, but the Jazz losing means the Grizzlies stay in third in the West. Also, the Lakers lost. That's pretty cool. All of the Grizzlies draft picks uh, got better yesterday. Anyways, hope you're having a great Thursday. I appreciate you listening to this show. As always, talk to you soon. Go Grizz. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. 
Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.